0: Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Life Podcast Friday Injury Report Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hartitz. It is absolutely a great day to be great, and especially, well, not especially when we get to talk about all the terrible injuries that are impacting our lovely fantasy football game, but, you know, they are a part of the game, and because of that, we will break down all the fantasy-relevant ones for you guys each and every Friday over here at Fantasy Life. By we, of course, I mean myself, and none other than the head of betting over here at Fantasy Life, Matthew Friedman at MattFTheOracle on Twitter. Uh, You know, if you guys are Gen Zers, you might not even know that's a joke from the original episode of The League, which I always appreciate about you, Friedman. But what's going on, brother? Happy Friday.
1: That's yeah, good. You know, you've been uh, grinding out all of these injury breakdowns on the fantasy side. I've been incorporating this stuff into my projection model on the betting side. So feel like I'm, I'm getting pretty close to having a sense of how everything's going to go this weekend.
0: A little bit of teamwork, dream work situation for sure. We are recording this Friday afternoon, 5 p.m. We have gotten all the final injury reports to come through now. Just remember, we will get the details for, again, just official game day actives and inactives an hour and a half before kickoff. So just keep that in mind when trying to lock in those fancy rosters. But with that aside, going through every single fancy relevant player ahead of week one, and let's get after it. Starting off, Friedman, just one quarterback currently on the, uh, you know, just injury concern. And guess what? There's no injury concern Joe Burrow with that calf injury not listed on the final injury report get back to firing himself up as his usual QB oneself every single fantasy life ranker has him ranked no lower than eighth in the ranks do you have any sort of just concern about this mobility here Friedman like just again if you have Joe Burrow you're starting him I get it so we're not going to take an hour here but I do wonder if just early on maybe, maybe more for DFS purposes maybe reigning expectations a little bit for Burrow or are you just not even worried
1: No, I mean, the slightest of concerns. I mean, I think that's why he's, you know, outside of the top four for a lot of the rankers. And, uh, you know, he's he's a fantastic pocket passer. He's even better when he's able to move around a little bit in the pocket and, you know, create some magic off script. And I don't know if he's going to be his fully capable self when it comes to that aspect. So I I don't think there's a massive downgrade, but, you know, I think it is worth remembering – You know, the last couple of seasons, he hasn't really been able to do much in the preseason and he started a little bit slowly in weeks one and two. So I think obviously you have him, you start him, but you just temper expectations just a little bit.
0: It is a good point about the mobility. I know uh, Joe Goodberry, one of the best Bengals reporters out there, has talked about, you know, really getting that LSU burrow out there where he is making plays with his legs. Always to throw, of course. But, yeah, certainly want to see one of the game's best quarterbacks at full strength. Hopefully, it will be there before too long. Moving right along now to running back. Had this one pop up today, a little bit scary, but I think we're going to be okay. Patriots running back Ramondre Stevenson. Late addition to the injury report. Just an illness, though, and we are getting reports that he is expecting to play. So, this is a four. 425 kickoff between the Patriots and Eagles. I have a feeling we'll get kind of one of those Saturday midnight updates from Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport here. Friedman, I'm fully expecting Stevenson to be out there in his usual RB1 level workload. Any concerns here for you?
1: Zero concerns. Almost like universally when we see a guy who's marked with an illness and misses practice, often he's full practice the very next day. So I would expect him to be 100%.
0: With you. Again, you drafted them, you're starting them. Should be feeling pretty good against an Eagles defense, breaking in five new starters from last season. Seahawks running back Kenneth Walker. So he suffered this groin injury in August, and then he was a midweek addition on Thursday to the injury report as a limited participant. But then he got another full session on Friday and was not listed on the final report. Also had backup running back Kenny McIntosh ruled out with a knee hamstring injury. So Freeman and just anyone else listening that does ever grind injury reports. The Seahawks are like the single most frustrating team to follow because they regularly do this shit. I've seen it with Metcalf, with Lockett. These players kind of are the midweek additions, but... On any other situation, I would think that the midweek addition was a sign that there was a flare up. But in Seattle, I just don't really know as much. So with Walker, again, he was someone being drafted really as a top 15, top 16 running back throughout the offseason. Is this growing thing playing into how you're treating him in week one? Personally, I'm still a little more concerned about this potential 50-50 split between him and Zach Charbonnet. Doesn't help matters. We got this midweek addition. But again, I'm a little less concerned almost because of just how wonky Seattle can be with this stuff.
1: Yeah, you're right. One, it's Seattle. Two, the fact that he practiced fully today, right? He returned to full yeah. practice like that. That's a really good sign because if there actually had been something that was real, I think it would have been limited practice or maybe no practice today. So I'm, I'm not adjusting anything with him.
0: Good stuff there. And again, I only mentioned the McIntosh situation because we have seen Seattle get a little bit annoying with those three back committees. Sometimes one of the top highlights that Dwayne McFarlane and I will be talking about Sunday night after the games is exactly how that backfield breaks down. In the year 2023, we can live with two running back committees. Hopefully we don't see things in Seattle get to include three. Jets running back Brees Hall is expected to play on Monday night against the Bills. Again, we'll get those official kind of injury designations on Saturday for that game. But he has been limited on Thursday and Friday with this knee issue. Dalvin Cook, it is notable, is not listening on the injury report at all, even though he is coming back from that shoulder issue. So head coach Robert Sala did say that the Jets will quote unquote be smart with both Hall and Cook. What is your expectation here, Freeman? I'm kind of in a little bit of a wait and see. I have both guys in that RB3 range. Really wouldn't be surprised if Michael Carter plays a little bit more than anybody would want to see. Not the easiest matchup against the Bills. I mean, again, I'm pretty confident Brees Hall is going to be out there. So if he's your best option, like don't sit him because of this injury or anything. But just in terms of overall kind of snap distribution between the Jets, how are you expecting this to shape up in week one?
1: So I have Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook, and all of us have them outside of our top 24. And so like, we're expecting them pretty much to cannibalize each other. And I have Hall ranked just a little bit ahead of Cook. Hall 31, Cook 34 among my running back rankings. Um, I feel like Cook actually, though, maybe has... The higher median projection I'm ranking at that point, like outside of the top 24, top 30 running backs, I'm waiting ceiling just a little bit more. And I think, you know, based on what we saw out of Brees Hall last year, I think he has the higher ceiling, but I think cook has the slightly higher median projection. Like it wouldn't be a surprise if cook ended up being the lead back in week one.
0: I have them rank right next to each other. RB 29 and RB 30. Good way to not really take a full stand on that one. But yes, yeah, certainly not. You know, it's just funny situations again. And we have a couple more we'll get to. Don't want to make too strong of a stand right now. We'll know a lot more about the situation in week two and beyond. I'm going to run through a bunch of running backs right now who aren't quite as fantasy relevant, but they maybe are in deeper leagues. Colts running back Zach Moss officially questionable with that broken forearm. If he doesn't play, then we could see Deion Jackson, and Evan Hall, condense that committee down. Down to two, but given the Colts' offense not exactly being expected to let up the scoreboards and Anthony Richardson's involvement in the run game, I will continue to answer the heavy majority of start sit questions involving a Colts running back with the other guy. Dolphins running back Devin Achan got back from that shoulder injury much quicker than expected, not listening on the final injury report. Just realize, guys, based on what we saw with that first-team preseason usage, wouldn't it be surprising if Achan works well behind both Mostert and South and Ahmed. Freeman, I think you're with me, but we are confidently firing up Mostert as a top 20 running back this week Saints running back kendra miller technically listed as questionable with that knee injury but he did not practice all week so if we had a fancy life you know status to kind of combat these official statuses i would certainly say miller is more so on the side of doubtful which is very good news for one jamal williams not the easiest matchup against a titans d that loves to load up against the run but at the same time 20 plus touches for a home favorite running back tough to be complaining too much about that jamal williams fantasy managers My dude, Cordero Patterson, running back, a.k.a. Joker, questionable with a thigh injury, but he has been able to practice throughout the week. Look, we need to see what the hell is going on in Atlanta before you even think about starting CPAP, but if he happens to not play, obviously nice news for the touch ceilings of Bijan and Tyler Algier. Texans RB, Darion Gubawale, questionable with a hamstring. We don't really care, but it's just kind of a sad reminder that he could potentially steal some of those fantasy-friendly pass-downs from Damian Pierce. We'll see what happens there. And then Giants backup RB, Gary Brightwell, not listed. Good for him. Any of those, you you have anything else to add, Friedman?
1: Yeah, 100% with you on Mostert and then Kendra Miller with you. I am skeptical he plays and I think that means big things for Jamal Williams. When I do my next update for the rankings, I plan on giving him a pretty significant boost.
0: So I started Jamal this week as the RB19 and we kind of talked this out on our fancy questions pod, which if you guys are looking for just more of a, you know, the biggest questions of the week to uh, hear about me, Dwayne McFarland and Chris Allen broke those down. You can find that in the same feed that you're listening to us right now, but Dwayne was kind of like more RB 27, 28. And after we talked Friedman, I thought I should move Jamal down a little bit. And Dwayne agreed to move him up um, a little bit. How concerning is that Titans matchup? Because they kind of are that classic pass funnel defense where it's not great for someone like Jamal Williams. But hell, man, like he might have like an 80% snap rate at this point. And if we have that going for us, it's tough to bench any running back regardless of the matchup when you're on the field that much.
1: Exactly. It's purely about volume. I have him right now at RB 24 and I will probably move him closer to the RB 19 ish range where you have him. Uh, So I, I think home favorite running back, no number two, no number three running back there. I mean, that's kind of the smash spot.
0: I'm not going to say he's like a must start in every single league, because I know you guys will show me your freaking four team leagues with, you know, five top 12 running backs in it. But yes, you drafted Jamal Williams. This is shaping up as about as good of a situation as you could hope for workload wise. At wide receiver, you guys might have heard uh, Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup out with this hamstring injury. And we got Sean McVay saying it's a uh, definite possibility, uh, Matthew, that Cup lands on the injury reserve oh, man, this whole situation is just uh, paining me more and more every single day. Van Jefferson should be the lead wide receiver. And then we'll see some combination of Tutu Atwell, Puka Nakua, and Bennett Skroenek filling out the additional two spots. I think Jefferson's a fine enough flex option in deeper leagues. But really, man, the only player in L.A., kind of Cam Akers, but really the only guy you're feeling really good about starting this week is Tyler Higby. How high do you have Higby up the ranks, Matthew?
1: Yeah, I think I have them around tight end six to eight. Um, but yeah, with you on this wide receiver room, it's pretty unappetizing. And a definite possibility is basically like saying almost certainly. Uh, it's just like, what does this even mean? But uh, it's for fantasy managers,
0: it doesn't mean anything good. Higby Fantasy be Fancy Life's consensus tight end six. And you know, just a friendly reminder that you guys can catch all of our updated ranks on fantasylifecom tools NFL dash rankings for free. What a deal. What a concept. Dolphins wide receiver, Jalen Waddle obviously had that August oblique issue. He is not listening on the final injury report. Fire him up as his usual upside wide receiver to self commanders wide receiver, Terry McLaurin, not listening on the final injury report after having that toe injury. Like Matthew, Waddle, McLaurin, Judy, JSN. Some of these guys that I thought were like definitely looking at missing early season time are all of a sudden just fine. Meanwhile, we got phantom injuries coming on, you know, the Christian Watson and Darren Waller and some of these other guys. So I'm not going to put too many on the plate right here, but pretty frustrating to see how these things have gone regarding McLaurin specifically. Are you now just ready to go with this? Because, again, to see him not even listen on the final injury report is great news and would seemingly indicate he is pretty close to 100%. We've been seeing Jahan Dotson get steamed up a lot recently. I've even seen him go ahead of McLaurin in a handful of drafts before we kind of had this sort of, again, just clear front on the injury side of things. Obviously, the Cardinals reigning 31st-ranked scoring defense figures to be even worse this year. McLaurin, someone that's going to be inside your top 24?
1: Yeah, I I don't know about that. Uh, he had back to back full practices, so in terms of health, I think he's fully there. But Jahan Dotson progressing, and then them being big home favorites, they might rely on the running game a little bit more, and you know, de-emphasize the passing game, which would limit the upside. So uh, I'm you know I, I have right now Dotson at wide receiver twenty nine, McLaurin at wide receiver thirty three. Both of them might get a slight bump, but I I think McLaurin is kind of in my rankings close to where he's going to be.
0: Yeah, I think I'll probably settle with both again, probably between that wide receiver 24 or wide receiver 30 range. So not guys you need to start no matter what in fantasy leagues of all shapes and sizes, but talented wide receivers in a winnable matchup. We'll see what that volume does shape up as I know uh, Matthew myself and Joy McFarlane do have a piece that Chris Allen's helping put together rankings round table that should be live on FantasyLife.com by the time you guys are listening to this goes over some of our favorite and least favorite players of the week. And as Matthew said, with that run game, Brian Robinson, someone that I am really trying to force him to fancy lineups where I have him. Really bad news on this one, Packers wide receiver Christian Watson is out with a hamstring injury and got the dreaded week-to-week label, not even the day-to-day bullshit that Sean McVay has been feeding us. Romeo Dobbs, however, is questionable with a hamstring injury, does seem to be truly questionable though with those back-to-back limited practices. Generally, if we see questionable and they practice in full on Friday, I think that's going to be a probable kind of from my point of view, but the NFL got rid of probable designations for whatever reason, so now we don't get that benefit of the doubt. But with With this in mind, Friedman, like, even if Dobbs is out, how far up do you think Jaden Reed really gets into the ranks? I mean, I don't really see myself squeezing him in the top 36. It's a nice flex play, potentially. I mean, I know we're in some 14, 16-man leagues, and you see Jaden Reed out there at this point, and you say, great, sign him up. But again, is this just more of a deeper league appeal, or do you really think that Jaden Reed, talented rookie to be sure, actually has a chance to smash here in week one?
1: Yeah, I'm right now at wide receiver 67, and this is under the assumption that Dobbs plays, but that Watson was either limited uh, or out. So he gets a slight bump, but I mean, I don't see him going into wide receiver 50 range. Like, I just, I don't think that's going to happen. That said, like he has significant upside like that. That needs to be stated. He was a baller in college, broke out as an 18-year-old true freshman. He can play inside and outside.
0: Like There's a there's a chance he actually ends up doing more than
1: we would expect.
0: Yeah, this is why I like having another person on these podcasts, Friedman, because obviously I just said that he might not crack the top 36, and as I look at it, yeah, I'm not sure he's going to be cracking the top 46 as well. <laughs> so definitely more of a borderline wide receiver four. I got a little overzealous there. Thank you for checking me, my friend. Broncos wide receiver Jerry Judy officially questionable with a hamstring injury and he did not get that full practice in across the entire week. So honestly like as someone that drafted a shit ton of Jerry Judy throughout the entire summer I'm just kind of pleased that he's already this close to playing whether or not he is out there unfortunately fantasy managers do need to realize this Raiders Broncos game is going to have the 425 Eastern kickoff so really if you have a close start sit uh, decision and one of the guys is playing at one o'clock I think you should honestly just go ahead and fire that guy up again already have some other questions on what this new Sean Payton Broncos offense is going to look like if you have to start him you have to start him but Friedman I'm not going to be going out of my way to get Judy in the lineup this week with this hamstring injury, very possibly not quite out hundred percent yet.
1: Yeah. uh, You know, a normal situation just throughout the course of the season, if we saw a guy uh, show up as questionable, but have three straight limited sessions, I would generally assume that he's going to play, but because we know that, you know, Judy is coming in with what was thought to be a pretty significant hamstring injury. I'm skeptical that we see him play and that's you know reflected in my current ranking of uh, 113 right so like Jesus. I don't I don't think he's going to play um but this is fantastic news for his development I think we see him in week 2 if he's yeah. already you know 3 consecutive limited sessions in a row
0: Again, I just remember the initial reaction to this, and like some of the just smart doctors that help us out on Twitter and Fantasyland, saying like, "Man, this is a hamstring tear. Like this could be a whole season thing. If we can just get him back by week two healthy, that's a net W in my book." Seahawks wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba will not be missing a single game. He's not even listed on the final injury report with that wrist injury. So facing a Rams defense at this point is Aaron Donald and a bunch of other dudes that you probably never even heard of after they shipped Jalen Ramsey off to Miami. I'm looking at your rankings right now for even and you have him as a wide receiver 56. Was that more so under the idea that he'd be entering this game questionable and potentially limited? How does this news change that for you?
1: Yeah, he will get a significant bump. I was still pretty skeptical when I was doing my rankings that we would see him play. But now with the the full practice, not even on the injury report, yeah, I mean, he's definitely playing. Um, I don't know if he will crack the top 36 for me, but he will be near that borderline of wide receiver three, wide receiver four.
0: Right now, just in the consensus ranks, and honestly, I'm the one kind of dragging him up here a little bit. I have him as wide receiver 34 right now, which could be a tad aggressive. You know, you can decide that for yourself out there. But uh, Ravens wide receivers are kind of in that group. Elijah Moore, Van Jefferson, Brandon Cooks, Jordan Addison. Is that about the range you think he should be going in, Matthew? Yeah, except
1: I... I feel a little bit more optimistic about him than about a lot of the people that you mentioned. Like, I think he has a wider range of outcomes where if things go really well for him, he has, you know, like 80 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Like that's within the range of outcomes for him. I don't really see that for some of the other people that you mentioned. So I I feel like he's maybe a little bit more of an upside play.
0: Potential just really soak up some of those fantasy friendly, you know, screens and underneath stuff as the Seahawks go to slot maven. Full PPR scoring can be a good tiebreaker here for JSN in week one and beyond. Cardinals wide receiver Marquise Brown, questionable with a hamstring injury and only practice in a limited fashion all week long. I mean, look, I did draft some Marquise Brown, but I'm not going to lie for I even mean, even when he was falling, you know, deep past ADP, it never really felt all that great to click on the guy. Now we have reportedly Joshua Dobbs, but you know, the Cardinals are trying to hide this, which is just one of the more ridiculous storylines going on at the moment. And the fact that no one cares is just, uh, you know, making it all that much funnier. But again, already was going to be a tough enough situation to. To fully wrap your mind around hollywood with joshua dobbs under center and now we have this hamstring issue seemingly being very real and impacting him and even just yeah potentially keeping him out of this game marquise brown someone that honestly i could see myself pushing down probably pretty deep into that wide receiver four territory i would advise people that if you have anything resembling a close start sit question with marquise brown just take the other guy at this point
1: yeah Three straight limited sessions, uh, you know, coming out of the preseason with a soft tissue injury, like that's, yeah, that is concerning. So if he's active right now, I have him at wide receiver 38, but I'm definitely bumping him down. I wasn't anticipating him to be this limited in practice this week. And I mean, this, this team is so disgusting that I don't want to recommend anybody, but I will say like Michael Wilson, he starts to become a little more intriguing as a really deep flyer. If you are desperate, because like he has looked good in the preseason. Uh, He flashed at times in college, you know, he's, he's physical. He's going to be out there on like a hundred percent of the routes and they really have no one else besides him. If Marquise Brown is out.
0: Look, I don't want to become the Joshua Dobbs defender in the fantasy community. Like, please don't put that on me, guys. But I will say, I mean, he signed last year with the Titans in the same week they were playing the Cowboys, like almost like overnight, more or less. And they dropped a lot of passes that game. Like he put some decent film out there and honestly had that team in a low scoring game to be fair, but. They were up with three minutes left in the fourth quarter in Jacksonville. Division on the line. Obviously, you know, the other Josh Allen made that great play to go ahead and win them the game and everything. But just, again, I think the Cardinals are going to be throwing for like 150 yards, not 50 yards. So you can, you know, take that to the bank. Definitely think we've talked about enough Cardinals here in this podcast. Final uh, severe wide receiver note to talk about. Traylon Burks, another one of these guys, Matthew, that I just thought was way more banged up and probably not could be playing in week one. But here we are. He practiced in full all week, not listening on the final injury report after suffering that scary knee injury in August. Now we do have DeAndre Hopkins in town, fully expecting to be a number one wide receiver. Saints secondary at full strength is not a unit to overly mess with. And of course, we are still expecting this offense to go first and foremost through Derrick Henry. So I feel like Burks is the definition of a boomer bust wide receiver Four, You can kind of put him right next to those Baltimore Ravens wide receivers and probably call it a day. Do you have a bigger stand on the rising second year wide receiver?
1: No, I have him. I, I think, you know, roughly, uh, in consensus with where we all have him, like wide receiver 43, something yeah. like that. I know, have him 45. So, so there we go. You know, it's it, that's sort of like a, a wimpy ranking in a way towards <laughs> like, I know this guy is like on that borderline to where like in certain leagues he's going to be started. Um, but you know, it's a negative situation for him in general that said like his, his upside is immense. So, uh, I'm either going to be, I feel like way too low or way too high on him, you know, in, in this game, like there's a chance he ends up having like two receptions for 27 yards.
0: And we're like, uh, oh, this doesn't look good. He turns four into 80 and a touchdown. I'm with you. Yeah. I do think it could go either way. And I'm not trying to overuse the boomer bust label here, but for Burks, I really feel like it does fit like a glove. Gonna run through a couple here ravens wide receiver obj had that midweek downgrade with the ankle but he is not listening on the final report practicing full on friday and we even got a beat reporter saying that he was you know doing his soccer ball juggling bullshit before practice so certainly seems like obj is fully good to go but with rashad Bateman with zay flowers we talked about this on our questions podcast just not feeling overly good enough with any of these guys to you know go out there and treat them more as a flex option at this point Patriots wide receiver Devontae Parker with the questionable tag with the knee injury. Patriots, though, are freaking, oh my gosh, the kings of just listing players as questionable week after week after week, even if they know they're going to be playing. So he did practice in a limited fashion all week, which again, generally could be a sign that he's truly questionable. I am expecting Parker to be out there and play, though. That said, beyond Ramondre Stevenson, not really anyone in New England that I'm overly excited to start against this. Again, new, maybe Green Eagles defense, but they still do have plenty of ballers all over the field and real quickly here Panthers wide receiver Adam Thielen started with a limited practice on Wednesday then downgraded to a DMP then back up to a limited he is officially questionable with an ankle injury DJ Chark is out with a hamstring injury Terrence Marshall is back from his back injury ha, not listed on the final injury report so it looks like it's gonna be Mingo Terrence Marshall and maybe Adam Thielen if he suits up if Thielen's not there it's gonna be a mix of LaVisca Chennault and Amir Smith-Marset Look, Bryce Young under center. Maybe he has a fantastic career. Going to be tough in week one. To expect too much out of any of these rookie QBs as far as throwing the football goes. So, Matthew, out of these three situations, any major injury takeaways here? Yeah, the Thielen situation is unfortunate
1: because it looked like he was kind of in line for the possibility of a bounce back, at least as, as the number one receiver uh, in Carolina. They had moved him to the slot and the Falcons, I mean, their their defense, it should be better than it was last year in theory, but, you know, it was bad last year and they brought in Jeff Akuda to try to fix the secondary and Akuna's out. You yeah. know? So uh, whoever ends up actually being the number one receiver in this game I think could have some, I don't know, just some underappreciated upside. Like it probably won't work out for them, but maybe it will but you could imagine what it'd be like right. if it did. <laughs> Exactly.
0: with uh with a CUDA who I did actually listen to our other section. It's One of those things where it's like, I get it. Hasn't, you know, Hey, he's a former Ohio state Buckeye. You guys know I can be biased towards my dudes there t- from time to time. I'm not gonna pretend like he's lived up to expectations as the number three overall pick, but even if you think he sucks, probably a decent chance to backup. Isn't it going to be any better? So, Hey, maybe a little DFS play with Mingo or something. Falcons Panthers did actually flash as one of those games on our flagship show that you guys can go catch on YouTube. And we're, if you're listening to this uh, podcast has maybe a game that could score a little bit higher than expected. So we'll see if that ends up coming to fruition. Handful of other wi- uh, wide receiver injuries that I'm going to list, but aren't really overly impactful in fantasy land. John Metchie with the Texans out with a hamstring injury. Wandale Robinson still doubtful with that knee injury. So look for Paris Campbell to keep on taking over the slot. Traquan Smith out with the groin issue. Not going to matter. I'm not going to list the rest of them. No one cares for even. So let's just go ahead and move right along to some of the main events here at tight end. Oh God, well, You know, freaky. actually
1: one one quick thing okay. on, the, on the wide receivers. You want to talk some Dax Malign? Let's do it. No, oh my goodness. No, the <laughs> the John, the John Mechie thing is slightly intriguing because maybe it means we see a little more tank Dell and he's interesting. You know, I, I, I think he was actually really intriguing as a prospect. Uh, he took, you know, the junior college route, but was really great in junior college. Like, Broke out early uh, as an 18 year old, you know, at an unheralded school, but did well uh, and then was awesome at University of Houston, taken in the third round, even though he's small, they are playing him more on the outside than you would expect, but he can obviously play in the slot as well. So if Mechie is out, maybe we see Tank Dell get a little more slot usage. I, I just hope this means more opportunities for Tank Dell
0: instead of someone like Noah
1: Brown or Robert Woods.
0: I was about to say, I was uh, writing up this blurb. And again, you can find all this information in article form on fancylife.com as well if you missed anything or just, you know, want to check out it out. Why the hell not? But Nico Collins is for sure there. Robert Woods is for sure there. And I feel like, unfortunately, Freeman Noah Brown could make life just a little bit difficult for Tankdale. So another situation that Dwayne and myself will be sure to touch on over on Sunday night. But again, back to the really worst news from today is Giants tight end Darren Waller. Friday addition to the injury report with the hamstring injury. He is officially listed as questionable, which already sucks. But then the cherry on top of this disaster Sunday is the reality that the Giants play on Sunday night against the Cowboys. So this is a situation where if we hear, you know, Sunday or Saturday at midnight, it's like, hey, he's gonna try it out in the pregame, true game time decision. You cannot go into that without a backup plan. Now, there are several backup plans that you can actually get, not anything close to waller value, but you're not completely punting the position because Jake Ferguson, the Cowboys starting tight end, plays on Sunday night. And then on Monday night, you have Dawson Knox with the Bills and Tyler Conklin with the Jets. Again, not anything close to Waller, but if you do think he can play and then all of a sudden, like he's trending towards playing, he gets screwed at the end. There are a few guys you can at least go to. We did get this note from Giants beat reporter Jordan Renan, who's tweeted, my understanding on Darren Waller is there was some hamstring tightness late this week. It's not solely from an incident at today's practice. Waller seemed to be moving relatively well at the open portion of Friday's practice, a positive sign. Makes me feel a little bit better Friedman. but at the same time, they didn't list him as questionable here for no reason.
1: Yeah, this was concerning. Uh, and then I saw the Renan note, which makes me a little less anxious about it. But still, if if I were a fantasy manager with Darren Waller, immediately I would be grabbing Jake Ferguson, you know, like that's, he's the one I would grab and then Dawson Knox and then Tyler Conklin. Right. But immediately Ferguson is a guy that I would, I would grab and I wouldn't wait to, to see if there's any news on Darren Waller, because if I'm playing a savvy fantasy manager, that person might grab Ferguson just to block me.
0: I've done that before. And you force your yeah. opponents, like start some third or four string tight end, like trying to get the game, just absolute savage moves. But you know what? Winners write the history books for even. So I'm never going to apologize for that shit. I will say again, if we do get news for on Saturday night, saying it's a real long shot that Waller's going to play, then you can start looking towards a Gerald Everett, maybe a Luke Musgrave. If they're on your waiver wire, I would rank those guys ahead of Ferguson. Is that fair?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think they're all basically in the same tier.
0: First of all, how dare you, but okay, fair enough there. I'm just a huge Gerald Everett stand. That's my bit this year, and I think he's going to be.
1: Gerald Everett, yes. Gerald Everett is ahead of him. The Musgrave was the name that I heard last that was really sticking in my head. It's like, I think Musgrave and Ferguson are probably in the same tier.
0: I'm used to talking to Dwayne, who just wants Musgrave to be like a top five tight end every week. So good to hear there, Freeman, on the Everett train with me. Don't be surprised when he's on the cover of all those week two waiver wire issues. Ravens tight end Mark Andrews questionable with a quad injury now he did practice in a limited fashion all week again though officially questionable so it's one of these situations where you know I know handcuffing kind of gets a bad rep but if there is ever a tight end to handcuff Friedman it really is Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely only three games last year for Likely where he had a snap rate north of 50% ripped off PPR tight end two tight end three and tight end nine finishes I mean seriously if Andrews doesn't play like I was looking at this I really think you could like call Likely a top three tight end potentially because there'd be no Angus there'd be no Kelsey maybe there's no Darren Waller again we're feeling okay we'll get to George Kittle in a second like if it's TJ Hawkinson as the tight end one I could maybe talk myself into starting Isaiah Likely over guys like Dallas Goddard, Kyle Pitts, Dave Njoku, Tyler Higbee. That's how high his upside is. So while we were talking about Waller getting guys like Ferguson, maybe Gerald Everett, if the news goes really south with Andrews Friedman, again, I would kind of think he plays because he was practicing a limited fashion all week. But I think the easiest thing fancy managers can do is if you do have not an empty bench spot, obviously, but just someone that you really don't really care one way or another, if they're on your bench, getting Isaiah Likely there really solid this problem for you
1: 100 percent. i think you should maybe even just roster likely throughout the season he is yeah. that one true the, like the unicorn tight end handcuff like <laughs> you never you never see it right but he is the one and uh you're right uh if andrews is out likely i don't know if it's like automatic top three but you got to consider it you know like he's certainly a starter Uh, at a minimum. And I would say like a high end upside fantasy starter. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you there.
0: The only situation recent memory, I can remember being like this was Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. I used to think that Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith would be like this, but as we found out, I just, you know, had the case of thinking Irv Smith was a lot better than he was, but I don't know. Bengals starting tight end. Maybe it's not too late. Never wrong. Just early Freeman. That's how it goes. Finally, here 49ers tight end George Kittle. Questionable with a groin injury. Similar to Andrews, he did practice in a limited fashion all week, though. Good news here is that the 49ers are playing the Steelers. So we get to get the 1 p.m. Eastern start. So it's not gonna be this late afternoon, you know, business where you got to really be wondering what's going on there. So hey, Kittle's active. He's in there. Unless we get, you know, word of like this extremely low pitch count. Okay. But even then, man, I just feel like Kittle on 30 snaps could still outperform most of the guys that are probably gonna be on on the waiver wire. So are you with me there? If Kittle plays, we're putting him in.
1: Oh, uh, absolutely. If he's active, you, you have to start him. I might bump him down the rankings a little bit though. I have him at number four. I might move him below Dallas Goddard, maybe below Higby, but you know, still he's, he's within that top six pretty easily.
0: If there's any end that can make the most out of maybe some limited opportunities. Obviously George Kittle is that guy, pal. Cardinals tight end Zach Ertz questionable with a knee injury. Even if he's out there, we are not feeling good about starting him again. Just with this offense in general, is not good. And we need to see what's actually going to be happening with Ertz coming back from a pretty brutal season-ending knee injury last year. With rising second-year tight end Trey McBride also involved, wouldn't be surprised at all if it's more of a 50-50 split. Hell, even McBride could end up being just the straight-up lead tight end if Ertz isn't really looking like his former self. So again, if you have a close start to sit question with any Cardinals player, I would just recommend picking the other guy. Freeman now we do have a handful of other injuries not fantasy guys but maybe people that could impact our fantasy players so gonna run through some of these and again if you have some particular betting uh goodness to go with it feel free to take over my friends so first up Dolphins left tackle Taron Armstead with I always feel so bad when we see these sort of designations back ankle and knee injuries he is listed as out and yeah you know I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure out that losing one of your starting tackles isn't all that ideal when you're about to face Joey bosa and khalil max so for you Friedman, like i understand like non-quarterbacks are almost never moving betting lines or anything but this does feel like a pretty damn big deal for an offense like miami that relies so much on timing to really make that passing game go around yeah, absolutely. It's the passing game, it's also the running game. I mean, he's kind of like the
1: one stalwart on that offensive line that you could really count on. And we saw this last year where he had the like the the triple injury designation of back, ankle, knee, and even though he had the entire offseason to get healthy, week 1 he still has it and is out. Like this is long-term concerning and, you know, I think he's worth at least a half a point to the spread, maybe more. And the thing is, Like, it's a key half point because right now this game is is like flitting around three. And so, you know, if it's three and a half, if it's two and a half, that makes a pretty big difference. So, this is actually significant for betting and then, of course, for fantasy.
0: I know that's again highest remaining game total on the freaking slate after we saw the Chiefs-Lions game go off on Thursday night. So I don't want to put too much in the one game from last year. Tua even came out, you know, in one of his pressers this week and just, you know, admitted the Chargers had a really good game plan. But again, seeing Tua complete 35% of his passes against his defense last year, I mean, they would have only scored 10 points if Tyreek didn't have that absolutely wild fumble recovery for a touchdown. Maybe, just maybe, this Dolphins offense disappoints just a little bit in week one. Not having Armstead there certainly doesn't help. Cowboys could be down two starting offensive linemen. Tyler Smith, doubtful with a hamstring injury. Tyron Smith, questionable with an ankle injury. So not ideal when you got Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, coming out there and being able to wreak havoc. What do you think about this Cowboys-Giants game, freeman? It's one that we highlighted on the flagship show. Potentially might be underseason, just given, again, some of these injuries and the potential for Micah Parsons and company to make life really difficult for Daniel Jones.
1: Yeah. The under is interesting. Um, I gotta say this for me shifts the balance towards the giants as, Ooh. uh, as this point, three, three and a half point favorites. Uh, let me see here. We're yeah. Still, dogs, right? Giants. Sorry. Yeah. Correct. Correct. As uh, as three, three and a half point dogs in the market. Uh, and the big thing is that you have, uh, your left guard and your left tackle unlikely to play. And it's like the combination of those things where it's, you know, it's multiplicative uh, to where, you know, if, if one of those guys is worth half a point to the spread and the other is worth half a point to the spread and they're both out, like at that point, you're kind of down like one and a half points uh, of value. So this is not a good situation for the Cowboys. Like it probably won't hurt them. They should still win this game, but like, this is not a non-issue
0: look, you're still starting Tony Pollard and CeeDee Lamb no matter what, but again, the betting lines, maybe the over-under, and then just like if you have very close start-sit decisions between Dat, Cooks, Gallup, and some of those other guys might be enough of a tiebreaker to warrant consideration there of relevant cornerback in, um, injuries, Denzel Ward, not listed with that concussion, so good to see him back. Just realized last year, he actually shadowed Jamar Chase, which is pretty rare for Denzel Ward. Still didn't stop Chase from getting 119 yards and a touchdown. So yeah, Bengals going to Bangle pretty much regardless of who it's going to be in the other secondary. We mentioned Falcons cornerback Jeffrey Okuda being out with a foot injury, which is good news for those Panthers wide receivers. And Ravens cornerback Marlon Humphrey out with a foot injury as well. But again, based on some of those Texans wide receivers not really anyone you're overly feeling good about starting so are those moving any moving any needles for you freeman yeah the denzel ward edition it probably doesn't
1: mean all that much to um to the wide receivers on the Bengals that you would be starting as you mentioned uh you know it was kind of a joke that denzel ward was shadowing in the first place uh i mean resistance was almost non-existent there but the betting line has moved on the news that he will be healthy. Uh, You know, this line was two and a half. It has now moved to two across the market is actually one and a half at FanDuel. So uh, a not insignificant move here with Denzel Ward being cleared to play.
0: Browns have played a Burrow very tough over the years, even when they had, you know, the Baker Mayfield experience going for them. I went through uh, Burrow's game logs and just really hasn't had one of those, you know, huge 300 plus three plus touchdown games, probably now just jinxes. So he'll have one of those on Sunday, but you guys could imagine. See, and, you safety. know, one, one yeah, more but... thing here, uh,
1: Denzel Ward, uh, in a defense coordinated by Jim Schwartz, like maybe that's a little bit different than Denzel Ward and the former defense that the, uh, the Browns were running out there. So, you know, I, in, in a normal situation, I wouldn't think this is worth like a point of value, but maybe it is given the new dynamic
0: there with the defense. Very good point there. always got to pay attention to those offseason coordinator changes. Couple more here, guys. Seahawks safety Jamal Adams out with a knee injury. Obviously, not someone that's exactly the best cover, best cover safety in the league, to put it kindly. But also a cornerback, De'Von Witherspoon, is questionable with a hamstring injury. Just more good news for Tyler Higby. I mean, this Seahawks defense last year already allowed the second most PPR points per game to opposing tight ends. So you take out a starting safety and maybe even one of these starting cornerbacks as well. Just again, wheels up for Tyler Higby in this Cooper Cup less offense. Also have Raiders defensive end Chandler. Jones out he's going through some personal stuff you know we all hope that he does get the help he needs and could just get back out there to play him man one of the most fun defensive ends to watch in the league obviously though his absence is going to be good news for Russell Wilson and that Broncos passing game and finally commanders defensive end Chase Young questionable with a stinger he came out earlier this week and said he's ready to play Ron Rivera sounded optimistic and it was more of just like a let's get him cleared and if he's cleared he'll go out there and play so you know neck and stingers obviously you don't want to be too risky with it honestly though they're playing the Cardinals and it's just insane that you can take Chase Young off the field and they're still going to have a defensive line full of first round picks so hey still play that Washington Commanders DST with confidence and you get him against the Broncos next week so anything moving needles for you there Friedman again with that Seahawks secondary Chandler Jones and or Chase Young
1: uh, Higby is the guy who really stands out to me as, uh, someone who could exploit the absence of Jamal Adams, uh, and obviously with no Cooper cup, he really could be the number one option there. And, you know, I mentioned him earlier uh, as someone, maybe I move Kittle down and move Goddard and Higby up just a little bit. Uh, Higby was someone that I, I highlighted in my Freeman's favorites piece. I feel like I should bump him up just a little bit.
0: I'm looking up right now, scores and odds. Dot com i'm just to. higby's receiving yards right now is a 44 and a half 4.5 receptions now there is like a minus 150 juice on the over those both seem pretty low friedman Yeah, let me see
1: where i have higby projected
0: here Um, Again, 4.5 receptions. Even like, okay, at DraftKings, you can get 5.5 at plus 120 on the over. I might like that one. I like the receptions more than the receiving yards. Like, I'm not going to pretend like this Rams offense is going to be moving the ball up and down the field, but just some checkdowns to our guy Higby. I mean, why the hell not?
1: I mean, I have it uh, at 4.5 receptions, so, you know, right on the money there, and then 41.9 receiving yards. So, you know, nothing really actionable that i'm seeing right now in the prop market
0: i'm talking to the wrong guy if i'm trying to convince you to take an over here so that's it's on hard. me that's <laughs> on me but you know what everyone we appreciate you tuning in that's going to wrap up all of our injury roundups friedman fantastic stuff we're going to be back each and every friday throughout the season want to keep these ones short for you again just really try to touch on the biggest things and you know get you on your weekend go have a freaking great time so friedman anything else you want to get off your chest no let's hit it Let's freaking hit it. For Matthew, I'm Ian. Thanks for tuning in to the Fantasy Life Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.